Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bazaar. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. And we have our amazing and quiet, hopefully more verbal uh, co-host with us again today, Skylar Rapson. How are you doing today, Skylar? I'm good. I'm getting there. You're getting there. Yeah, we're working on the we're working on the flapping of the jaws. One day people will be like, "Oh my God, Skylar, you don't know when to shut up." But right now we're we're, we're working on getting you there. So, um, but today I have with us um, Emily and Larry Johnson. How are you guys doing today? We're doing good. Doing good. Checking along. Thanks for having us back. Yeah, so we're doing a part two. Um, we're bringing you guys back in. Um, and anyone who doesn't remember, um, it wasn't. It was a few podcasts ago, episodes ago. So check it in for the part one. But you know, Little Bites Food Truck, um, it's a great menu. Um, you can find them at littlebitesfoodtruck.com. That's L I L B I T E S F O O D T R U C K dot com. So, and you can find them uh, Little Bites Food Truck on Instagram and Facebook as well. So. They are out there, or Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And so, um, how are you guys doing? And last we left off, we were hearing about some new adventures that involved uh, pandas and raccoons, to be specific. And um, not not of the consuming, but of, of sort of the caricatures that we were looking at um, to move forward with your new brand. So, um, so where do you guys want to start today? Um, I mean, so we're, we're just getting in as much work as we can right now with the mindset of where we want to get as much capital as we can to go in this new venture. And, um, really what we've been doing is, I mean, our, our whole menu is pretty awesome, but we have been trying to focus more on the empanadas and kind of, um, showing people are the like putting logos up that of the of a panda and raccoon and kind of try to move from the truck to the brick and mortar because we don't want to just like like close the truck and open a brick and mortar we want people to know who we are and where to find us and so we've really been um focusing on the empanadas as our um, front runner and our you know our our superstar on the menu it's awesome and so, I mean, so we talked about your menu a little bit last time. I'm just going to name some of the items that are on here just so the, the audience could get an idea. I mean, we talked about the Freedom Fries, which was one of your best ones. It's basically crispy fries topped with chunky blue cheese or ranch, banquet crumbles, diced green onions, and wild wing sauce. So there's things like that. Your traditional Georgia favorites like uh, boiled peanuts. Uh, there's also soft pretzel bites and deep fried okra, which I would say resemble uh georgia very well and frickles which is fried pickles served with ranch or spicy ranch that's cool and so i'm gonna name them off the menu just because i want the audience to drool a little bit with me as i'm drooling over Mm -hmm. them so i see we have like a philly uh excuse me a bacon mac and cheeseburger empanada a buffalo chicken empanada a pepperoni pizza empanada a brisket empanada and a pulled pork empanada and so with those that being said um, are those sort of the staples that you guys are moving forward with as you guys expand your brand and start to get into brick and mortar? Yeah, we um like currently every time we go out, we have the um the the buffalo chicken pulled pork brisket and pepperoni pizza, and then um 
we try to kind of rotate some other ones as like a, a panda du jour kind of thing, a, a different panda. Um, whenever we whenever we go out, so that's where like the bacon mac and cheese comes in. Farm Hawaiian ham and Swiss. Chicken cordon bleu. Spicy barbecue chicken. Um, we're still experimenting with some other stuff, but you know we're we're hoping to you know as we were talking before, opening the the Udem pandas brick and mortar with probably like five main pandas um, and then like a, a different panda every day for uh, kind of the, the special of the day. So like, you know, every Tuesday might be, you know, spicy, spicy barbecue chicken panda in addition to the other ones. And um, yeah, we're also, we're doing like a, a residency out at um, Nofo Bruco in, in coming that basically starts this Thursday where they're going to be there every Thursday through March. So, so every Thursday we're going to bring a different, kind of fifth panda to um so people can start you know tries to try out some new ones and see which ones are really popular and you know help help kind of again kind of a market research as we're as we're still working toward what you know you know our our ultimate goal so it's you know we have we we have a market that's like literally there like before when we first started the food truck it was like taking remember as we discussed we would take menus and we would ask people what they would like to order now we can actually make the food and see what's popular and get direct feedback, not on just what they think they would like, but what they've actually had and actually like. So that's kind of a um, where we kind of have a leg up from transitioning to our, our next our next journey that we didn't have when we first started this journey. It's pretty incredible, um, just sort of the evolution of it all. And just to see it with you guys in your story would all – sort of entrepreneurs go through, which is that evolution of their business and never really starts off as we plan it. But um, when you're trying to chase both the survival of your business and then profitability and then all, and then growth from that profitability, you have to continue to pivot and listen to your customers. So obviously the empanadas are one of your biggest sellers or you wouldn't be going in that direction. So um, I mean, as you've started to to introduce the raccoon um, and the panda, for example, and into your branding and and identified it in the empanadas and the different panda, I mean, are you seeing positive feedback? Are you are you seeing a transition there? And I mean, does that mean you're printing menus differently? I mean, sort of talk about how you're, you know, I guess what you're doing is putting that image out there into people's mind because that's exactly what you have to do is continually show it to people in order for them to remember it. Yeah, so we've been wearing the ears for a while, the raccoon and panda ears, and we're going to, like, anybody that works with us, the, any male is going to wear the panda ears, any female is going to wear the raccoon ears. But um, we've, we've always had that kind of recognition with us. I mean, but now we're really integrating it. Do you want to tell them, did we tell you about what we call our panda passport? You've told us about it, but let's talk about it again in the audience because um, I don't fully remember, but I think it'd be good to revisit it um, again. Sure. It's a, it's basically a punch card. So every time you, you buy a empanadas, um, we stamp the back of it, which, which we actually found like a little panda head stamp. Um, so we stamp the back, and then every 10 empanadas you buy, we give you a free order of um, our Kenny's Key Lime Pie Bites. So, you know, we put the new the new logo on that, the the Udem Pandas logo on that, in addition to the Little Bites logo. So it's kind of, you know, we were like, like Emily was saying, we, re- we want to start to, we're introducing the the Udem Pandas logo, which I think we sent you guys a copy of just so you could see it. Yeah. Um, 
into the into the mix, you know, in, more into our advertising and and social media, just so you know when we do basically say like little bites is now udam pandas it won't be a complete shock to everybody they'll kind of be like oh yeah they've been they've been talking about that for a while and, you know i've been seeing that panda that happy little panda with the empanadas for a while now so yeah and if you get hooked and then you know you, you sell and you get enough people that come back we you know we've got a really good i would say following like a return customer base and stuff so now there's people that are coming to us looking for the, these certain these certain things and so that they'll then we they'll when we transition they're gonna they'll even if they have to drive they'll be willing to do it because i mean we're not going to be mobile anymore most likely yeah um, and you know the the punch card's been great because also we started like i think we've mentioned earlier or previously you know we do like flights of empanadas so you know people can try like all four flavors all five flavors at one time kind of thing and you know, since we started the punch card, we've actually had a couple of people like actually just redeem the the free key lime bites during the course of a day at the yeah, brewery. That's, yeah, that's one thing. That's one thing I wanted to uh, piggyback on is that when, since we've introduced the flights and people come and they stare at the menu and they don't know which one to do, having the flight is the, the one of the easiest upsells possible. So when people are sitting there, they don't know which one which which one's better and everything. All you have to do is say, well, why don't you get all four and see which one's your favorite? And they say, okay. <laughs> Trust the raccoon yeah. when she's dead. I'm not kidding. But one of the things, I think it's pretty cool in the passport thing. I, I love the idea of the, the multiples, but I also can see it going where you have like a staple menu and people can also get special stamps on there if they get a special, you know, if you had a weekly special and then eventually like a whole year you could be part of the panda club and the panda club only gets access to certain empanadas that no one else gets like the high end ones at the same price, but you could come in and you could order from the special menu, which is like the panda menu. Once you have your passport for the year. Yeah. yeah pretty good idea. Like yeah. you think about like, um, like, uh, like taco Mac with their, their beer club and thing. Uh, yeah. The beer university or whatever yeah, it's called. Brew university. Yeah. university. Yeah. yeah, that's that's actually a really good idea. I'll, yeah. I'll write that in my little my 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 <laughs> book that I keep. So. Yeah, because people love access to special food or stuff like that. I can tell you just from my own experience, you not only give them a club and a thing where they get something free, but you give them access to something also that no one else has that they've earned, uh, particularly in food, a special item that's on that's on the hidden menu just for them. Um, it's a bragging right and an experience. Right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, definitely. That's smart. Yeah. And that's another thing. We're very open-minded. When people give us advice, we listen to it. Yeah. So, I mean, we don't always take it, but we are, we're listening to it. And if we see, hear a good idea, we're absolutely willing to say, well, let's try it. Yeah. Without giving any any secrets away of what we do, one of the best ones I feel is like In and Out Burger always has their secret menu. You can go order your things off a uh, you know different ways off their secret menu when you order it. So it's kind of a fun thing for every guest. This is just I would say an added layer that's I find to be even more fun if you give access to that. You know, some companies are like a member only special shakes or something like that if they're a burger place. But I've started to see a lot of that come around and and seeing success in restaurants who do that so yeah we we, we definitely offer secret menu items already that's like awesome. there's certain people that if if you know you know 
And so we've got a couple of regulars that, 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 that know certain things and, and we tell them, we're like, okay. And they'll even like message some of these people on Instagram and they'll, uproot their whole group to come find us because we have something that they that is special for them that they like that day I, um, and I love I, lo- I love the empanada thing because I think it's such a perfect industry and it's looking for that mainstream environment and, and on the go. And we talked a little bit like the walk to walk and, and taking the empanadas with you. That's one of the other things I like about it. It's something you can take with you on the go. It's like a sandwich. It's in your hand. You can you can keep moving with it. I mean, that's one of the things that I think it's like, okay, we're on to something. And the more mobile we are as humans and the less we sit down and eat, which is funny, we want to sit down longer when we eat now, but we sit down less often when we eat. So, um, and if you watch your household and you watch a lot of households, you'll see how many people stand up in the kitchen and eat their dinner or at a table or whatever. It's becoming more and more common for whatever reason, but we're on the move. Whether we're in our cities, we're eating on the go, um, we see consumption um, as either we're going to enjoy food, um, we're starting to see, or it's got to be something we have to do while we're moving. Um, so the food world that we're seeing that's doing really well and going to do really well in the future future is either. Can you create an experience that's low, that's low cost, but high end and experience and people can have a social gathering sort of like your fast casuals, or do you do something what you guys are talking about? What is give humans, um, the ability to move while eating? Um, because in the human's mind, we're all now about efficiency of time. How much time do we have? You know, if we're going to spend time enjoying our meals during Thanksgiving, well, that means every other meal we have, we've got to cut down to 10 minutes or while we're doing something else on the go, driving on the go, walking, whatever. So, um, we're seeing some of that. And then, like I said, um, there's more family time in the meals, but like breakfast and lunch seem to be on the go these days and your dinner is really where you're sitting down and doing something more like a fast casual. Um, just saying what the trends are. Um, some of it has to do with at home, you know, meals and stuff like that being sent to homes and dinners and making dinner, that type of thing where the family comes together. The other part is, like I said, um, now that we don't go to work, we tend to be on the go weirdly even more during COVID, which means we're actually grabbing food or nutritious food or any type of food we can go, whether it's from home, whether it's on the go, whether it's handheld empanada, whether it's, you know, a hot dog or a hamburger. Um, it doesn't matter. We're all sort of eating on the go for those first two meals, even during COVID. And in fact, oddly so, probably more during COVID because now we're trying to spend a lot more time with our family and we're trying to use our time a little bit differently. So. A very well, cool I concept. Mean, the, the the fact that there's um, an actual product that you can put in your vent in your car where you can place your dipping sauce or your McNuggets and like in there they fit. It's designed to fit like multiple different fast food restaurants sauces. You know, speaks volumes of how what you're saying that you know if we're, we're needing to have somewhere where we can dip our food to, like while we're driving. That's, I mean, that's exactly, you know, supports that we're just, we either, and again, like, you know, we eat on the go unless we're doing something like we want to like take Korean barbecue, for example, like Korean barbecue is an experience. Like you, 
have you're getting it you're cooking for yourself in front of you you get all the different um appetizers and you get to order a meat and then you get to cook it and then you can order another meat and that's those kind of experiences that you want to take time and you're going to sit down for an hour and a half and and do that and it, and you're people are willing to pay for it but you know this the empanadas you can just take them and go you can put them in a, you can carry them in a paper in a paper bag and just eat it in class yeah, absolutely. And it's the total grab-and-go concept. It's warm also, so for the colder seasons, it's something that warms you up as well. But it's also light enough in the way that, that they're built that you can eat them during the summertime. So it's like just one of those things that I find that is very universal. So before I go on, uh, Skylar, you have any questions? So uh, this, was, this was touched. Um, I was wondering, what are you guys thinking of doing with the truck once the brick-and-mortar opens? Um, I think currently the plan will be to sell the truck. Um, okay. Yeah, that's that, that's kind of our mind is right now. We don't really want to, you know, we don't want to have to like keep another commissary open just to park it. And I doubt wherever we, you know, lease a space, they'd be cool with us parking a food some, truck behind I mean, it. Some do, but some do. But there's, yeah, I mean, and that's that's a lot of capital for us too, you know. So yeah. that's something that we could transition in in use but like i i mean i'm i have somewhat of a different mindset i feel like we could if we have a um commercial the brick and mortar i feel like we can park it there i know other food trucks that do that but like i would not be opposed to working with like a, a university that that's you know we want to and kind of rebrand it and use it for like game day like and brand it still have our branding like co-brand it with the university and have it on campus for game day and you know push and, and then eventually we would get also like build our brand recognition and everything but that's just that's just one thought that i've had yeah our our, our near university um of some sort because again it's you know walking food it's not super expensive we feel like students would really, really embrace the, the panda, the panda revolution that we're trying to start. And, um, you know, we have a lot of plans to, to incentivize students to come and stuff like that. Um, and we, you know, we sort of want to grow the, the shops at college towns is sort of the, the thinking, you know, whether it's Kennesaw state or Athens or something like that. And then, you know, sort of expand to different college towns, yeah, but we want our yeah we want our proof of concept to be fairly local because I mean for just logistics reasons we you know we're going to be doing those bootstraps you know on our own before we start getting you know other people involved and other people you know general managers regional managers things like that so you know we want to be able to if we need to go get something or go do something that it's close enough that's realistic because we know we're going to have to be spending a whole lot of hours there. Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell you from experience that college kids are always looking for food. So, right. Yeah, no, that's for sure. And, and you know, like, and it's you know, affordable. Yeah. And that's our, our concept is, 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 is affordable for a college kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and our plan is to do like, you know, a free fountain drink with purchase and with student ID, student ID and, you know, sort of a Panda, Panda ambassador program with students where, you know, if you, uh, Skylar, as you know, as, our, our Panda ambassador 
you know, we would give you Panda passports with you'd have like an ID number that you'd put on the back. And then as people you gave the cards to filled up theirs, you would get free empanadas for everyone they turned in or, some you know, or something, kind of whatever kind of thing. Know. So, you know, it's a little bit of a pyramid scheme in that sense, I guess. But, um, you know, it's it's a it's free food for you and free free food for other people. So we kind of see that as a good way to kind of grow and get get the word out that like, oh, I have these empanadas. They're amazing. You should go and get stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we did save the day at a wedding last night. Their caterer showed up an hour late and their food was terrible. They had us come in to do like the late night meals and the, you know, like a after the, you know, all the, the, the drinks had been had and everything. And, uh, we ended up feeding them more than their sit down catered meal. Oh. They said it was y'all, they said y'all, y'all saved the day. They said this was just, this was like amazing. So that's, it's always good to hear. Yeah, it's very interesting. If you if you you want someone trained and that can feed a lot of people very quickly, so they can get on the dance floor, you're probably better off with a food truck than someone that doesn't feed people very often and wants to do it more in a fine dining setting. And reheating um, is nearly impossible. Like it's very interesting how we reheat things in the catering setting these days. When it seems to me that if you're a caterer and you want to stay stay in the business, you probably want to think about adding a food truck to your um, to your repertoire and i hear there might be one for sale if if maybe in the future so but but that's the thing is um is the reality is is the food truck is the new catering business and if you're a caterer and you're not adjusting and you're not pivoting upscale or not if you don't even if it's an upscale and you want to serve steaks you're gonna to have to figure out how to cook on site or bring stuff on site to heat and do stuff and then and not in the Retherm cabinets and stuff that we're doing now. Yeah, shaving dishes are the way of the past. I mean, yeah. we. It's, I mean, no one wants cold chicken that was cooked three hours ago that you put a sterno can underneath. And like you said, that's absolutely correct. With the having, I mean, and we're also starting to see the pivot with the the people's mindset of food trucks. And it's there's the that stigma that um, food trucks are like the roach coach. Or they're a lesser quality, or, or it's just that that kind of that mentality. And I feel like we're doing a really good job of helping people get past that and understand that wow, that really good food can come from a food truck, even though it's not necessarily filet mignon or chateaubriand right. or whatever. And, and it, they, they still don't believe they're going to burn their mouth if they bite right into it at the window. <laughs> and it's like it's hot. It's, we're sorry, but. Yeah, people still just bite right into those empanadas and burn their mouth. I know. They, caution hot never works with anyone. I feel I, it always reminds me of the McDonald's, the spilling of the coffee on the lady's lap in that enormous lawsuit, even though it says caution hot. But it's like one of those yeah. things. We Humans get so hungry. There's an animal instinct or something that goes on that it doesn't matter how hot that food is. We have to eat it. And yeah. we just oh, like you just, yeah. I mean, we watch it. I'll watch people, and I can hear the noise sometimes, and and <laughs> yeah, and that that the singeing noise in their as their saliva hits the roasting food. But it's uh, it's one of those things. But um, I love this. I mean, I love the the concept. I love the idea. Um, I love even that you guys are already thinking about the different concepts for the food trailer, keeping it, not keeping it. If we do, what happens? How do we spread the word? 
Um, so I think it's awesome. And and for and let's talk a little bit about the catering events. I know um, it was something you guys rescued last night, but I mean during the holidays, do you see your catering events go up in in the food truck? For example, is it? I mean, yes. I gotta imagine yeah, it'll be sure. the same as brick and mortar. You're probably going to be sending stuff more to office buildings and stuff like that. But um, so, how do you guys handle it? Is it just like okay, we celebrate the holiday later. Let's just do what we have to do to to make sure we keep getting business in the door. And we For didn't sure. really talk about it, but how did getting a food truck? I don't think people realize that if you want to make money, it's it's just like Uber. The more you want to work, the more money you can make. So. Would you guys talk about that a little bit also? And I will get back to the brick and mortar, but I just want to answer that question because I think a lot of people jump into food trucks and think, you know, within no time they're sitting back and someone else is running it and they've got a fleet of them. So I just want to sort of get rid of that illusion that it's no different than any other business. That's a hockey stick effect before you really get the confidence and grow. So could we talk about that? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, our first year... You know, we pretty much didn't turn down any anything that would come in, you know, any day of the week. We didn't have any kind of like set schedule. Um, uh, you know, we worked with the, the Street Food Coalition and they they book um, they book events that, you know, you, you pay them and you go and and hope that it's good. And but, you know, that's like um, like office buildings and stuff for lunches. And that was before COVID. I'm not sure what's going on with that now. But um you know, we would go out and just whenever there was anything, we would do it. Um, after, about, after the first year or so, we, we we made good relationships with a lot of breweries that we had, had worked at. And I think as we talked about in part one, like our food works really well at, with breweries, with, you know, children and drunks is kind of our thing. Um, yeah. And so we were we were kind of able to get to the point where where we we only go out Wednesday through Sunday. We don't go out on Monday and Tuesday. Um, because, you know, you need like sanity days and, and some prep date, you know, some extra prep time and stuff like that. So, you know, after that first year, we were basically able to to do that and kind of give ourselves kind of a regular schedule, which has been really nice. Um, especially, you know, I think we talked also, you know, we have an 11 year old that we share custody with his dad. So, you know, sometimes we have the, the child here, sometimes we don't, um, you know, so you have to work around all of that. Um, you know, Obviously, if somebody calls us and has just a, just throws a ridiculous amount of money at us, we'll go out on a Monday or Tuesday. Um, but you know, like like we were saying, for the most part, we try to kind of keep it to to Wednesday to Sunday. And you know, we'll do doubles. You know, if there's like a lunch, we did a, a lunch for the the Costco employees out in Dallas the other day, and then did a brewery that night. Um, but yeah, and and again, like this week, we happened to do a Christmas party for a bar that that Emily used to work at. She used to be a bartender, and we did. They were doing their Christmas party. They asked us to come out and feed their staff, and that was on Monday. Which so right now, like the, the world is very weird for us right now because we did that on Monday, and we did a wedding yesterday, which is a Tuesday. Yeah. And there was and there were football games on, so it really felt like Sunday. And so now today totally feels like Monday because we don't have a gig as it turns out this week. And it and we're well, we're both very confused about what day it is around here. Um, but that's um, kind of a, a weird thing that we had had events on Monday and Tuesday this week. But um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely been an uptick in calls, you know, for Christmas parties, either personal or business parties, which 
you know, I imagine a lot of businesses have a budget that they have to spend before the end of the year. So they're just like calling and happy to pay, you know, whatever ridiculous prices we kind of quote them, which is what we've sort of been doing at the end of the year is just a couple of things that were great. <laughs> like, oh, crap, now I have to go do it. But, yeah, I know. Um, I, that's uh, we've uh, we've been there, too, thinking that the world is slow and whatever else. And we have enough business trying to keep up onboarding products and not saying no one should keep coming but we kind of threw out some high prices here and there and people really bit off on them surprisingly and move forward and it just shows you the world is willing to pay higher prices for food guys so if you're feeling yeah. the strain on the supply chain in the audience um it's we're living in a world where everyone's starting to get used to those prices going up so i would do it now before everyone settles from the shock and they're they don't want the prices to go up anymore so right yeah unfortunately we we finally like had to just just raise our prices a little bit across the board just because everything was so I, we realized this when i went and spent four hundred dollars and bought like fries and wing sauce and paper goods that was like we need to just go up a little bit on on everything which so i mean the price had nobody's blinked since we've had to raise the prices a little bit so that's been that's been the good news yeah we've but, seen the yeah. same thing price updates on the disposables eggs are the thing because we buy very specific eggs for our healthcare clients and we're seeing a 33 percent increase on eggs that's just i mean yeah. when eggs are not very much money to begin with and 33 percent more it's a significant increase on the price of an egg overall on a breakfast menu for a hospital so right um, yeah it's you think crazy. about like places, you think about places like Kroger and stuff. You know, the average consumer is not going to see the increase because they're they're trying to absorb that increase that they're having to pay and not pass it on to the consumer. But when we go, we get like through our distributors and the prices are up, or if we can even find products, you know. But I think people are starting to understand more and more as they do go to the grocery store and they do see that they're starting to notice that, of course, you can't find certain products. They're just not making them anymore. So we, I mean, we've, and we put up a nice little blurb explaining to people just in case that, you know, anyone had any concerns about it, that, you know, it's, 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 we'd hate to do this, but we, 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 we had to do this. Yeah. We hope it's temporary, you know, and then like we said, you know, the serving trays are, there's like this worldwide shortage. So we, you know, tried to make it clear in this blurb that like, it may appear that, that serving sizes have gone down, but it's, it's just because they're in bigger trays because, that's what we were able to get. And that's that perceived value thing. People see like it doesn't look like it's full. Yeah. But... Absolutely. Yeah, no one's... No it's been interesting. Yeah, I just anyone, since we're releasing these podcasts right away as we record them, I would say that, especially even during the holidays as everything's going on, if you've been hesitant to increase your prices in your restaurant or in your business or offerings... Um, especially with the food service industry being short of labor also on top of being short of actual raw materials. Um, you just want to start preparing yourself and, and being able to pivot. So now's the time to do it. Even if you think you're okay, I would do it anyway. Um, yeah, and that's, yeah, that was, ba that was basically the conversation that we had. Cause again, like we're going to go into, I mean, we've been staying booked and busy, but, but statistically, when you get past the holidays, the the rest, you know, the food truck industry does get a little bit slower when during the winter months, and it's you know, not where our bread and butter is. So we that's we said let's go ahead and 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 do it now. And 
I'm I'm glad that we did because it's I mean there's no really no real sign of any changes coming down the pipeline. Yeah, fry oil is still thirty nine dollars a jug, so it was eighteen last year. So or a year and a half ago. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. I'm seeing that too. Any of that, any of that fryer oil, any oils or anything that's pressed out or in a manufacturing plant that can't get labor anymore, the it's through the roof. Yeah, it's just Even crazy. Like, um, yeah, the key lime pie bites that we do, um, you know, I talk, we use Kenny's, which is local, which is the, the best key lime pie out there, honestly. But yeah, they, you could, they just disappeared off the shelves in like Kroger. And so I asked them what happened and they said there was a resin shortage. And this is all the trickle down effect of everything that's been going on with exactly. the labor. And and they, they literally couldn't, they had product, but they didn't have anything to sell it in. And that's just, you know, I don't know if the, the average consumer doesn't necessarily understand that. They think everything's basically back to normal. That means everything should be back to normal. But there's, it, it's, it's going to take time to regulate out to, you know. To get back to normal. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, um, and we're not using, I mean, the overall consumers are not spending money on food um, the extra money they're making not by going to work, they're just consuming more products. So logistically, just so everyone's aware of this, and I don't know if we've talked about it on this podcast before, I think maybe we did on the Saturian Leadership Battalion podcast, but it's when people have more money to spend because they're not spending on a gas to go to work and all that, and they're not turning around and spending it more on food, okay, or higher quality food or more diversity food or eating out more or whatever. And they're taking that and they're just consuming other things in a way that ties up more of the logistics system. What, what those higher end, higher margin items do, because food is a low margin item. It's the way we've built the system. It's our most essential thing in life, yet it's the thing that makes the least amount of margins. And so, and, um, but we just, you know, we, we tie up the logistical chain, we tie up all the things on consuming more and we inadvertently created competition within the logistics where food isn't even competitive in the shipping world anymore. It's not yeah, worthwhile. I mean, think, and, and like, like Amazon buy with one click, you know, then, but you do that, um, you do that 10 times a week instead of sitting down and ordering 10 things at one time, you're, you're the, the, the amount of drivers on the road and how many packages you're getting and everything. It's, it's like, like what you're saying, like the people are just, you know, this the day and age of, um, I just order it or I think about ordering it and it shows up the next day. And it's very interesting. And, and believe me, I'm in the delivery of, um, food direct to consumers into their homes. It's a big part of our business at Futures Partners, big growing. But it's a very interesting thing when I look at it and I see what happens. Like people don't do their homework anymore on the prices. They assume because it's online and it must be cheaper. But if you actually look at some of the things you buy, like soda or Monster or whatever, by the time they factor in the shipping, which is in your price, you're looking at a different price that's higher from Amazon, even with free shipping or prime than you would pick up the same thing at a grocery store. And it's very interesting. We just assume that it's cheaper and we make an assumption that it's cheaper to order food than it is to go, 
you know, out to the restaurant to eat, or we assume that the, you know, it's better for us to have someone else make our meals and bring them into our home than to make the meals ourselves. Obviously, I am saying that knowing I serve meals into people's homes, but it's a very interesting thing to me where I'm like, yeah, but you're spending more money on this other system and you could spend more money locally or whatever food or support your local economies better and save money and have more money for for food locally or whatever it is diversify your diet but we don't we just we do this thing where we've played this trick on ourselves where it must be cheaper if it's online and so and yeah. it must be better if it's online and it's like hold on there's restaurants still trying to work here we have other things going on and yes there's food service employee struggles but we need to put our money into these businesses we can't just buy our way out of this online and hope that yeah. one click is going to solve our problem. So I was, um, my son wanted dinner the other night and it was just me, me and him. Larry wasn't here. And I think I'd eaten like a late lunch. So I didn't really, that I didn't really want to make an entire meal. And he's like, I just want a ham sandwich and, you know, just ham sandwich and some black, black beans. And so I thought about it. And I'm like, I could go to Kroger, um, big retailer and spend, um, six or seven dollars on a pack of ham use part of it he goes to his dad's for a couple days and then it never gets eaten and forgot about and then throw it away or i could call our local restaurant across the street and have them make a ham and cheese sandwich for about the same cost and support local so that i mean that's my the way i try to look at things and you're 100% about right about that. We don't, we think we save money a lot by grocery shopping and not eating out, but we literally throw away so much food um, as consumers or don't eat it, like you said. And, and what difference does it make at that point? You, you can create more jobs, you can do right by the food system. Um, but we, we should be making those choices. And when we're not, we don't realize how valuable all these employees are and people in food service and making diverse decisions with the way we buy food, whether it's restaurants, whether it's grocery store, whether it's whatever it is, is important for the economy. And more f money flows through food than anywhere else and more people work in food than anywhere else. So like, it's this kind of thing where we're like, Oh, stay away from food. No one's working in food, no job, you know, always job openings, but we're like, huh? Like what that seems counterintuitive. We all know the population's growing. We all know we need to feed more and produce more, but yet we're running away from this industry and not supporting it at all. It's just an interesting concept. And so um, I appreciate you guys out there doing what you're doing because a lot of people just sort of ran away from food service. And so, um, gosh, I can't even tell you. I was like, I mentor a lot of people and off the podcast and stuff. And I had a lot of people that just decided after many years in business, they were done with restaurants or done with their food truck. They didn't want to deal with it anymore and, and did whatever. So yeah, we've seen, we know we've did, we've uh, a lot of us run in the circles and we've, we've had several people that we know, like um, barbecue guy, he, he yeah. just said he's going to pack it up. And a lot of people is in, and the other in chip too, like people just saying, uh, you know, I, they don't, they didn't want to, they, uh, they were, I mean, I don't want to say they didn't want to wait out the storm or try to push through it to the other side. I mean, I'm not trying to like say anybody made, you know, was lazy or anything like that, but, um, 
I, I mean, I, I just have confidence in us and have confidence in our brand. I have confidence in our, our work ethic and our drive. And I feel like, you know, people always have to eat. And if we can figure out a way to do it and make it fun and affordable and portable, um, I, I just, I, I'm willing to give it a shot and go for it. <laughs> affordable and portable. That's, that's pretty <laughs> awesome. The, um, uh, well, I'll let Skylar, you got any questions since, um, I usually do all the talking. Yeah. Not right now. You guys are on a roll. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so, I mean, I, I do think it's important that we, you know, all the food service workers out there and, and people and I, and Skylar and I, Skylar joined me, but I just did a shrimp tank, um, podcast for a podcast called the shrimp tank. They're. Um, different locations around the country, but we talked a lot about how we've really, we've put the medical industry on, you know, on these pedestals and they have pops and they have dolls and, Mm -hmm. and we've labeled them as heroes, but we forget that we all still ate during COVID. Like we, yeah, the we, shield, the, the, these, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Those, and they had to go to work to pay their bills and people treat treat them like garbage and I see it all the time. And it, it breaks my heart when I see people losing their temper with food service people. I mean, these are the people that are feeding you. Yeah. They get paid a lot less to take on a lot more risk than anyone in the medical field at this point. They're in the same hospitals. You're serving the same food. You're exposed to so many people on a regular basis in and out of the restaurant. I mean, I'm just saying, yes, you can say, oh, they're medical. They're dealing with biology because we associate science with science. But we forget that everyone still has to eat all the time and we touch and move around food all the time. So the risk is actually the greatest right there. We just don't even realize it. And we treat them like crap. You're 100% right. We've treated food service, the, the farmers, the logistics system. It's been pretty bad. And so... You know, what I like about you guys is you're not only moving forward, but you're actually, you know, turning up the volume, if you will. And you're like, okay, things are bad, but we're going to do this brick and mortar concept and we're going to launch this empanada thing and we're going to keep moving forward. And the weird thing is, is competition's a funny thing, guys. There's, you know, everyone says there's two schools of thought, okay? It's either build the biggest building or knock down everyone else's building where there's the whole other thing where everyone knocks down their own building to be the tallest building. So you can keep building your building to be the tallest, but also at the same time, we're in a world where you have tons of people around you knocking down their own buildings that they built in food yeah, service. Like, I, I don't like my, my school of thought of, um, of food service is, you know, I'm going to use like a female term. Um, I'm going to straighten somebody's crown. Um, If we're, if we all um, it's, we, our brand is not something that would be in direct competition with a lot of things. And honestly, like we even talk about like downtown Woodstock, it's a great area, but it would be better if it had more restaurants and it had more things because that's where people come. People don't necessarily always come to these little tchotchke shops and things like that. They come to eat and they walk around and they make their decisions based on that. So if there are more restaurants that are, are diverse and stuff like that, it's going to help everybody is, is, is my school of thought on that. Yeah. Well, and here's a weird thing and I'm just going to say it and I hope people know this, but it's pretty obvious that if humans smell food, 
they consume more. And I'm not talking only about food. The mind plays a trick where if you're encouraging food trucks to be in your outdoor shopping or you whatever, you're going to encourage people to stay there longer, not only to eat, but for some reason we innately, and it's a manipulation, if you will, I guess, but it's true. And they do it in grocery stores and we do it in restaurants and you purposely have aroma there. Because That's a bacon on flat top. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, bread is a big one. Bread's a lure. It's why they always cook bread in grocery stores. And so it, for some reason, you know, you want this. You want food in your environment. You don't want to just be like food is a side thought. Um, you know, and we're seeing more and more of that where we're less concerned about how humans come together to consume food and more about how they just come together in whatever way. And... I think if we take a step backwards, we're going to find that um, having the experience like you guys are creating, making it fun, um, creating a family atmosphere for drunks and for children in, in this case <laughs> is is something that we're, you know, people are afraid of and making it fun. And even if it's like, you know, um, entertaining and a- animated, it's we're at a point in the world where yes, we're the wisest being on the planet, but it's sort of like we have a responsibility and we can have fun and it. We don't have to take everything so seriously. We just need to enjoy ourselves and consume food and be smart about our choices. And we certainly shouldn't vilify anyone else for wanting to work or stay in food service and all that. And gosh, I know USDA and restaurant policies with COVID are going to get even stricter on restaurants and food service here shortly. So um, even more heroes for sure, you guys, um, everyone out there that's working. So if no one else is going to give you a trophy, um, I'm here giving everyone a trophy, at least verbally. So, yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And like with our brand, like parents, that's one thing, like we say children and drunks and stuff like that, but Parents shouldn't have to go to Chuck E. Cheese to have an, a, a, a place where their child can can eat and still and be somewhat entertained. Like that. I mean, that place is torture. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's kind of our, you know, pa- parents want to get out and they want to do things. They want to bring their kids with them. So that's kind of why we want to have fun with this. And, you know, and give, parents can eat good food and we got stuff for the kiddos. Yeah, and I the Chuck E. Cheese is a good example. Um, and they definitely focus on entertainment, and but they've lost track of the food. I think mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. and um, and so, you know that you can do both, and I think you guys are doing both, and you're also creating an environment that's, you know, where Chuck E. Cheese went wrong, and and what Disney World gets right is that they make it about the food experience and the entertainment experience and the characters. And Mm -hmm. it's no different than like, let's look at a cereal box. It's about the food. It's about the character on the box. It's about the experience the kid gets by getting the, the prize out of the box. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing that you guys are trying to create. But we as adults, just because a kid craves, it doesn't mean we don't do the same as adults. We, we are like, Oh, when are you going to grow up? 
Well, the reality is, is I don't care whether we're going to buy to the store to buy toys or to buy shoes. We're still doing the same thing, whether we're adult or child. So that's what I love about your concept. It's like, I don't care. The same is the same is the same. And when, as soon as we realize that we never really grow up, whether we're consuming toys or we're consuming shoes or food, it's all the same and we should just have fun with it. And yeah, you grow, know, grow old, not up. Yeah, and stop taking ourselves so seriously. Um, I think, and have fun with life. Um, I think it'll go a long way. Um, that's just my two cents. Um, I feel like everyone's yeah, no, very serious right now about everything, and the stricter we get, I'm like, well, the stricter everyone gets, the more of a goofball I feel I need to become, just to get everyone to have fun and relax, and sort of bring some livelihood back into everything. But. Agreed. I mean, it's amazing. Like you see people standing in line with like a, you know, a, a puss on their face, you know, with a scowl and then they get to the window, you know, and they see Emily with her ears, the, the raccoon ears on. And it's just like, it just breaks them. They're just, they're so, it's just so hurt, you know, like they just chuckle and they're like, oh, your ears are so cute, you know, and it just brings people kind of, you know, slaps a, you know, happy reality back to you, which, which the world needs more of, you know, just being, you know, happy and enjoying your day kind of thing. And, um, yeah, let's all have let's all have a look. We don't have to take everything so seriously. You're never going to get out of this alive. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. kidding. And the truth is, is what we really do when we're selling food is we're selling happiness. I mean, food gives us pleasure. It helps us stay fed. We need it to survive, but we're also providing experience and the opportunity to connect with someone. Um, in that moment and sell happiness, not just food. And the more you sell the happiness connected with the food, the more the profit the restaurants are going to make. And in your case, you've developed something that's selling the happiness right next to the food. And it's, um, it's pretty amazing. And like we said about Chuggy Cheese, it's what they're trying to do. Um, but it's so oriented towards kids and the food's not very good that, it's not. It's really lost its purpose and what it was trying to achieve in the first place. Um, They're selling Chuck E. Cheese pizzas in, in in grocery stores now, which blows my mind. I know. I just. It's it's this it's just bad, but yeah. And, yeah. And um, we're going to do a name the panda contest when we when we start, so you know that'll help kind of get the brand out there and. Yeah, the the logo panda well, needs a name, so we're um reluctant to name the panda now he she they whatever panda yeah. whatever it turns out to be we're um we're not sure but. and we'll we'll hang because we you know we do the coloring books with all the animals and we'll um you know kids give us like one we'll have a wall where all the their their colorings yeah. can be hung up and you know they grown can, ups too. yeah grown ups too, if they want to yeah you know again they can get crayons in the coloring books too but we always say it's not a kid's menu. It's a kid's or whimsical adult's menu. <laughs> yeah. So they, you know, as long as you're whimsical, you can order chicken nuggets from us. We're okay with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm a very whimsical person when it comes to my creativity as well. So I totally appreciate what you guys are doing. Yeah. Um, so, um, I mean, this is very exciting. Have you guys picked out location yet? Or is it, or, or we're just getting down the design? I mean, how much can you guys let us know or am I, we're going to have to get Skylar to get a part three together. Yeah. It gets a little closer. Um, uh, we, we don't have like, um, a location, a specific location yet. We've, we've started, you know, we're, like I said, we want to, we're exploring like near Kennesaw state, uh, university. That's kind of absolutely our, 
our dream like first idea location to open a, the first shop? It's it's currently still affordable real estate wise, and it's the largest uh, largest student count in in the state. And so that's kind of where where our thought process is is where we can get in affordably and build out as close to us and it's walking distance for a lot of kids. Yeah, and like we were saying, that's that's kind of the the model we want to do is is like college towns. Um, you know, we have like a whole list of them that we're we're thinking, you know, after the first like we're we we have a ten year plan to to be living on a beach in Aruba, um, and you know, so there's there's a, a, a list of cities and, and towns that we want to expand into once the you know once the first one is as hopefully as successful as we think it's going to be. Um, you know, and then move forward and then eventually hopefully franchise and sell frozen pandas in stores, you know, things like that. It's we've we feel there's a lot of room for growth with this versus, you know, just a, a food truck or even several food trucks. Because it's a very specific brand. Yeah. Well, and I and I agree 100 percent. And I think the niche that you guys are going after and, and what you're trying to do um it's the very beginning of either franchises or corporate chain or whatever it is, especially college towns. It's where the students, they need more food um, on the campus. They need more access to food, as Skylar always talked about. It is true. Students are always looking for food 24 hours a day, um, and they're always looking for options outside of their um, cafeterias and meal programs for sure. And so I love that that's a particular market and with the food that you're serving and on the go, I think it's just such a cool concept because it's exactly what college students are most of the time, even though they have plenty of times on their hands, they, for some reason are on the go all the time. Right. And, and this menu will be like deliverable. Um, it would work with delivery. Unlike a lot of the stuff that's on our truck now that, that doesn't really work for delivery. I think we talked about that a little bit in the previous time. But, you know, the empanadas stay stay hot for like an hour. So, you know, driving it, you know, 10 minutes to the dorms is not not going to kill the the food, the quality of the food. Um, you know, we sort of see, you know, delivery in the, in the evening and later evening as a, a big point, big part of this, you know, and then fraternities and sororities have the panda party packs, you know, with a whole bunch of a bunch of empanadas, you know, in a. Variety in a variety, awesome. yeah, the variety of, of pandas for parties and stuff like that. It's, you know, again, it's good food that can just kind of sit on a table for a while and still be good an hour later when you're when you when you get realize you should really drink eat something since you've been drinking for the last <laughs> several hours. Yeah, um, no kidding. But, and um, and that's why we think you know the the college towns is the way to go for this. It's you know sort of a Jimmy John's model, I guess, to a degree. Um, but you know. We're doing a lot of research. Yeah. We're studying a lot of different business models and other other brands that are franchising and what they're doing and how they did what they did. And so we're, you know, we're we're just we're diving into the research to make sure we know everything we learn everything we can before, you know, we get in this started. Right. On the bright side we know how to make empanadas now and like when <laughs> yeah. you know or, First started. Yeah, exactly. the food yeah. We have people like our food. Right. I know which end of a knife to hold now. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. when we first started. So, like we're ahead of the game. Is there an empanada that's not on the menu that you guys, that's like your secret one that you know you kill it, but you just hold back for that special time? Or, I mean, yeah. I mean, 
Um, Talk a little bit. Make, yeah, the, the, the Philly cheesesteak cheese one with the beer cheese dipping sauce. Yeah. Um, they're so good. They're stupid good. But again, like we do the, the ribeye, we use actual ribeye for our fillies and it's, I, we hand trim it and hand, hand slice it. It's not like the pre, pre-done like cheap meat or anything like that. And then they're also a little bit more difficult to make. They don't want to seal for some reason as much, but those, those and the profit margin is a little bit thinner, but they're so, they're stupid good. Right. Yeah. It's, you know, the, the amount of a pain in the butt it is to trim all the steak to, to have to trim more steak, you know, cause we still do sell quite a bit of a lot of Philly cheesesteaks. So the, um, the idea of, you know, trimming more steak just to make empanadas from that while we're doing the Phillies is not, not super appealing to Emily right now. So. Yeah. I, I get, I get tired of the meats every now and then. Uh, like I have a, have a, a, a threshold of how much meat I can cut in a day before I say, I'm, I'm going vegetarian. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Philly is probably like the special, the special panda, the secret, you know, top secret special panda. Um, <laughs> we did, we did just break down and buy like a $900 panda or panda maker and empanada press maker. So we're, we're hoping to, to see that that will improve productivity quite a bit. Yeah. Um, the slicing of the meats. I totally get it. That's interesting. Cause at some point you're, you're going to have to be like, can someone just slice the ribeyes for me? Um, yeah. if it grows, yeah. but it's just, I totally get the, the dilemma there and the amount of meat and what do I do? And gosh, there's so much of this going on and how do I, do I grow it? Do I have outsource it? But, um, yeah. it's always a good problem to have, but I think honestly, people find different solutions. So that no answer is the right one, unless it's the right answer for your business. So Right. Wow. And we, and the good thing is we, we have a, a third person now who's, who's really super helpful. James, who works on the truck with us is, he's, he's like the oldest 23 year old you'll ever meet. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's, he's like wildly mature and he, we want to, we want to bring him along for the, for the ride with this, which he's, he's totally on board with and, you know, kind of sees himself as, you know, owning a Panda franchise at 25, which, you know, it's not the easiest thing for, for, people to do at that age but yeah he um i mean he's 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 an, ama- he can, he's an amazing he see, person he he's, sees the vision yeah and he's he's on board with the vision and he's he's going to be super helpful to to help us move this forward with with everything we um and he always shows up on time yeah which is weird in the food industry <laughs> yeah but, um, but yeah he's i mean like i say he's the oldest 23 year old you'll ever meet he's the other day he's like do you ever listen to the carpenters and i was like like the relaxing from the nineties. Yeah. yeah. Like the, the relaxing carpenters. He's like, yeah, I was just listening to their album. It's so good. I was like, yeah, okay. Oh, I think that is Jeez, It's yesterday, been 30 years. Yesterday he said, I was at the CD store. Yeah. And we're like, wait a minute. Did, did you have a time machine? Did you bury the lead? Did you have a yeah. time machine? Yeah. A CD store. How old are your parents? Are they like 80? Yeah. It, it's, he's, he's an amazing person. Yeah. We're, we're big fans of this guy. <laughs> so he's, um, yeah, he's he's the the third the third wheel of the and panda. And he's young and spry. And... Yeah, and he's he's moldable. You know, he catches on to things and wants to. Now he brings ideas, which is exciting. So, well, and, and I um, and I will say that um, just because you guys brought it up, I think any young kid in or coming out of college or at a high school that wants a career in something and wants to rise up pretty quickly. Food service is a place to do it right now. There's not many people coming into it. And like you said, um, the bar is set so low historically that you already have a leg up if you just show up on time. Yeah, and so, exactly. 
Yep. Yeah, and he, he said it's like his dream is you know has always been to own a restaurant, and we're like, well, you know. tell him what we got him for Christmas. Yeah, so you, are you guys familiar with Bar Rescue? The, the the TV show Bar Rescue. It's sort of like the Gordon Ramsay shows where he does the yeah. kitchen nightmares yeah. so maybe or the, something. Exactly. So it's the same concept. The guy John Taffer, he's the host and he's he's an, he's really super abrasive. He yells at people like on the show and everything, but they have he has a um Taffer's Tavern in Alpharetta here that was just doing their like one year anniversary and you know, Emily and I were like, Yeah, we should go. That'll be fun. Just check it out. Then on the truck one day James was like, hey, I'm going to go to Taffer's Tavern. We're like, oh, we're going to Taffer's Tavern. So it's like this whole coincidence that we all love Bar Rescue, as it turns out. And um, we all went together, got our pictures with him and this and that. And then a couple of days later, or last week or week or so ago, Emily and I are like, what do we, what do we get James for, for Christmas? You know, like we want to get him something good. We want to really show him how important he is to us, you know, in this this process. And um I was like looking at Bar Rescue or Taffer's website, and like as I was scrolling, Emily was like, "Like, see, I wonder if he does like cameos. You know, the cameos where celebrities will like, you basically get a recorded message from them." Yeah, yeah. And um, like literally, as she said it, I got to the part of the website was like, "Book John for a cameo." Right, and, done. Yeah, we're like, oh shit. So you know, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't cheap. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, so we you fill out the form with like kind of give John ideas of what you once said. And we, you know, we showed it to him the other day and he's like, he's, we would just catch him on the, in the other end of the truck when it was slow, just like with his phone up to his ear, just listening to it again and stuff. And it was, he's, he was so, so tickled and so happy with it. <laughs> and then, and then he quit another job that he had the day later. Cause he's like, I'm with you guys for everything, whatever you guys need. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, and loyalty um, and loyalty. Interesting. It used to be, in generations that come up, trust would be built and then there was loyalty. But what I'm finding is the trust comes a little bit later. You can earn the loyalty by doing nice things and and, and sort of building the trust differently. Normally, trust was built mutually and, and through things. But in the newer generation, it's just a belief in them. And, um, and then there's a the loyalty and then sort of the trust seems to build later on against that loyalty. So um, I know it seems like, huh, what are you saying? But I'm like, it's an interesting concept. And I think that what you guys did was just showing faith in someone and faith in a generation that um, that hasn't been able to win prizes. That's sort of been flattened in terms of winning and losing. And what you did is just gave them something individually, which was earn the loyalty. And now the trust will come thereafter, which is at least what I found. I mean, I'm obviously assuming it in this case to give an example, but... I'm starting to see it with the newer generations that it's exactly that. Once you believe in them and, and you invest in them, and Scholar may know more about this, that the loyalty comes and then the trust is sort of built from there versus trust coming first with more skeptical generations like mine. Um, very hard to trust, very skeptical, very skeptical, and then the loyalty comes. And, and, so, and so, like, it, for one of my mindsets, go, uh, piggybacking off that, as a as a business owner, I think there's kind of an archaic um, uh, ideology that employees need to be loyal to a company first, and and I I want I like to look at it from the opposite. I think a company is going to um, needs to be loyal to their employees and foster their employees and help them build and have confidence and that level of trust because that's uh, how you keep 
you keep good employees and that's how you help them grow and that's how you motivate them to want to grow and want to, you know, add to the team. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Um, Hello? And uh, and so... Um, Do we lose you guys? Uh, Justin? Uh, can you guys hear me? I think it was recording, yeah. but it didn't... I think there was a blip in the recording. I'm just going to let it go. The audience will know what went on. Um, <laughs> but I apologize about that. But so, I mean, one of the cool things is that you're sort of already looking at the next generation. And... What you guys said, and this is going to be my thing as we wrap things up here, because I'm definitely going to get you guys on for a part three um, <laughs> as we get down the road. But I think as what you you're seeing here is if you invest in people in your business and you're if you're a food entrepreneur, I would say it's probably any entrepreneur that's trying to franchise or grow a business. But if you're an entrepreneur in the franchise food, which is where my more of my expertise are, um, I would say I'm a well-rounded entrepreneur, but in food in particular, what 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 Larry and Emily are doing is they are investing in someone and that someone sees an opportunity to own a franchise so he can be not only a part of something that he's building, but then get an ownership ownership piece of it. And the other side of this that I think is important because the newer generation see more value in ownership versus retirement funds. Um, that I'm seeing is that these are very real models. And if you're going to franchise your business, bring in young individuals, college students, exactly like you guys have done and, um, and turn around and train them and give them the ability, the leadership knowledge, the well-rounded training, even the ability to make money or work hours eventually or whatever, so they can afford a franchise because seriously this is what happens it's a circulation of money i mean companies did it years ago by vertically integrating it's the same type of idea you're just circulating the money into your business through the franchises and the people you're investing in are also investing in themselves also in investing in the business and also in investing in you so it's like this create the creative circle that happens which is why to that if you're going to grow a business you got to grow the people, but if you're going to grow the people, you need to make sure you're growing them in leadership and financially, especially if you want to franchise owners, because no one is going to know the business better and hold the core values than them. Sorry, go ahead. Exactly. And and yeah, and that's why we want, you know, James along for the ride from the beginning, because, you know, we want him to, you know, be there, see the the building, the build out of the new of the shop, you know, be there for the, all of that, be there when we open, you know, basically manage the local shop. See how we figure out food costs. Yeah, see, you know, see how we treat people, you know, and, and everything else. And then, you know, then when it gets to like, okay, this one's great. Let's open one in Athens. And then it's like, all right, James, you're 23. You live with your folks currently. You don't have a, a girlfriend or go live in Athens for a month, you know, basically. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, and let's, you know, you go open that one and, you know, hire a manager and then we'll pop out to want it done. And, you know, and what then, are our expectations? And then the next one and the next one, you know, so on, so on. He's, he becomes like the, you know, the corporate. Trend. Exactly. You know, and then that way we know that it's somebody we trust who's, you know, when he speaks, he's we're speaking, basically, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and that's what, you know, you can't get that if you've opened it up and then hire somebody because they don't know 
every detail of it of, that we want. You know, he'll be there from from it doesn't exist. We have a logo and T-shirts to, you know, an actual shop. <laughs> so. Yeah. And and I love it because one of the things that we're you're, we're starting to see here, and I want to emphasize on the podcast also, is that everyone's always like, "Well, I got to hire a position or hire something," and they get caught up in the idea of the position or the thing. But here's the thing: people will cross your path. And they break the rules of the norm. They show up on time, just to give an example. They're doing things. They, they have more potential. Their vision, they seem older. They seem more and more as an entrepreneur. And by giving them more, I'm also talking about attention and education. Mm-hmm. Not because yeah. it's fair or not fair or you shouldn't invest in everyone. I'm not talking about that. Yes, you should. But if you're a smart entrepreneur straight up how you survive is investing in other people that eventually do the jobs that you create, you know, people that are hungry. And I don't mean, you know, for, you know, the people that are hungry for it, that are enthusiastic, that, and and he wants to know, and we, you know, we've started like run, like we want to educate him and we are, have started like showing him some of the numbers and some of the, you know, behind the scene things. And you can just see his wheel spinning and that's just so encouraging to Larry and I because it's it's not just you know smoke in the wind. He's 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 it, it, like absorbing it and taking it in. Yeah, and and we you know we told him it's like you know the money might not be great right up front you know to, to but, be doing all this. Yeah, but it's gonna be worth if it. If you you know if you look at it as an investment and you know as an education slash investment to to where we can get we all get this where we want it to be. You're gonna you're gonna again be owning a franchise at twenty five. So that's, um, you know, pretty, pretty good, good, good thing to tough it out for a little while. with not making a ton of money. Well, and I think the education and the next generation and the generation after and continuing to evolve and educate in food and take the time to do it is just essentially important. And, and, you know, we have growing populations and we've got to keep figuring out how to feed people. And the more we develop perfectly good farmland into, you know, cities, we're going to be running out of land and, and trying to figure out how to turn non-traditional farmland into farmland. So one day, like this passing on of information, there's going to be a people across from farming to food that's going to have to figure out how to come together and solve a greater problem in food, how to get it to the humans, how to get it to the animals we eat, so on and so forth. So we don't realize it, but every time we're educating someone food or in food service or gaining experience in it, it's pretty essential. It's one of the three things we need to absolutely survive. And, you know, no matter how we look at it, we're not going to stop consuming as humans and we're not going to stop growing and wanting more and, and more profit and wealth and retirement. So, we just got to be prepared and the best way to be prepared is just continue to educate everyone as we go along, particularly in food, um, just like you guys are doing. So it's not only important for your business, it's important for the next generations. And ironically, if you want your business to be around as long as McDonald's, McDonald's has figured out how to train generation after generation of high school students to run these businesses for them. And not only that, they still have franchisees that bought into their franchisees business that are still loyal franchisees 50, 60, 70 years later and in third, fourth generation in their families. And so that's the type of thing that happens when 
people do exactly what you guys are doing. So um, it's definitely happens to be from your guys' experience exactly what needs to be done is empowering the next generation. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's also one of those things if you if you have that that drive and are eager, it's you don't necessarily have to put yourself a hundred thousand dollars in debt to go to college if you have enough you know enough mathematic background to be able to figure out food costs and things like that. You know, you you can it is feasible to to you know do something like this. I know just. Just wait, Skylar. Your one of your next missions is going to be sending off to Panda Academy to get training for our franchise for Georgia <laughs> College. No, I, I, that's a good point about the college towns. I was just sitting here thinking about it, and there's there's just always people looking to learn there. There's always students that want to work, just make a little bit of extra money. So it's just a good place, especially with the later labor shortage today. Just a good place to set up in. Yeah. And having the right mentality of they're not just a, a worker, they're so, they're an employee and helping them, you know, look, like learn as they go, learn on their feet. It's that's that has that holds value beyond just the, the paycheck. And it's absolutely 100 percent. There's nothing like learning on your feet or learning customer service like in food because stuff goes wrong in food, whether you even with your best intentions, no matter how much it is, you truly learn that it's progress, not perfection. And just so many lessons being in food service that you learn, even if you don't end up there, I can't imagine not have having had that experience in my life. Just the least the customer like service. Everyone, yeah, everyone needs to work in retail or food service at once at one point in their life, or should you know, so they they understand uh, you know what it what it's like and working with with people and you know. How to treat people. I know. I've thought about it like a way that you know, fixing the food service problem and probably a necessary evil would be like every kid before they had to graduate from a university had to have six months experience at a fast food chain. I mean, just mm-hmm. because the operation, the efficiency, the the lean production, the managing of complex things, the the narrowing down the margins so much. I mean, if you really taught someone what they were doing in the in in food service in fast food it's quite an experience uh, mathematical timing and timing the runs and milliseconds of of things moving the line along so no person's waiting more than two minutes and so on and so forth i mean those are all lessons um yeah, and you and can't you get them get anywhere else of, you wouldn't get 27 packs of hot sauce for two tacos <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that is that is that is true that is that, that, <laughs> I, I agree with you as we, my family does love Taco Bell. So we do have more, we have more hot sauce packets than we've ever eaten in tacos. And I still to this day cannot figure out how they've never gotten control of that in their restaurants. Same, same. Yeah. It's like, I don't need, yeah, you gave me three tacos. I don't need all this. Yeah. It should be like, no person can have, more. I mean, even two per taco would be, more than enough, but it seems like a limit when you get like a handbag full of every seasoning. Oh, can I have hot? Next, you know, I have 17 different items and the bag weighs more on the hot sauces than the tacos. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. If you got your hot sauce distribution under control, they'd be able to pay you more. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. And that's the thing about we don't teach anymore. Like, if how do you teach people to be more efficient and then try to get them to understand that we could all, everyone could make more money and they could benefit their team members if they were more efficient 
but it's, it's like one, one of those things. I like to say that I like to use analogies or proverbs or metaphors or whatever sometimes because it helps solidify things in people's heads sometimes. And I heard something one time, and it says, "Watch your pennies, and your dollars will mind themselves." Yeah, exactly. So watch the watch the little things like the hot sauce packets, and watch some of the you know your paper goods and and, and things like that. And because you're still gonna have to pay for your meat and all that, but you know th- those are small things that you can control. And, yeah. you know, yeah, which I mean, which is another thing, you know, on the food truck drives you crazy because we put the condiments out on the counter and it's just like you got an order of fries and you took seven ketchups. Like, are you putting a, a packet of ketchup on each fry? Is that your plan here? I mean, I know, did, did you, you know, somebody's paying for those things, for God's sakes. I, I sound like an old man. But, I know. You know and in, in my business, there. it's like always the hairnets, the gloves, the the volume right. of uniforms unneedingly being dirty. Like, can you only go through, I know you need to change them every time they're dirty, but come on, can we not go through six a day, maybe like two to four? Like, but it's just like, you know, just like, oh, there's more available. Yep. More available, yeah. Uh, yeah. more available. And so you know, it's this weird mindset that if it's available, we should consume more because there's enough for everybody. But if there's not enough, we're a little more scarce because we want to make sure there's enough for everyone. It's the total trick of the human mind that abundance means more abundance of consuming. And so right. it's uh, it's just one of those things. Um, it's probably that's how that's we survived. Yeah, that's why sometimes you don't put out too many condiments because they people will see that if you put out enough and you refill it on a regular basis they'll have that the natural mentality of well there's not a whole lot here other people are going to need it instead of seven packets yeah yeah theoretically yeah <laughs> wow that was amazing guys um i am definitely looking forward to a part three and um <laughs> maybe in the next three months and all the listeners happy holidays thank you everyone this is our last podcast before the new year i think unless skylar's got some lined up for next week who knows maybe he does <laughs> but um, um happy holidays everyone stay safe follow little bites food truck again on instagram and facebook and you can follow find them at little bites food truck Dot com as well and so larry and emily seriously amazing story james i'll give you a shout out out there good <laughs> luck um all i can say is listen and learn and gosh i was you know i was a young entrepreneur in the food world with my dad when i became an entrepreneur and he gave me the op- entrepreneur or opportunity and mentored me when i was you know, starting at 18, especially when I became like 22, 23, when I took it on full time after college. But um, if you get that experience, it's invaluable. I can't, it's a jump start in the world. If, if people like Emily and Larry are willing to invest in you, I would take as much time as you can to absorb as much of it as you can, because it doesn't happen often. And it's one of those rare opportunities that you actually find people who are willing to do it. Because a lot of people say they will, very few people actually go all the way through with it. So, oh, um, thank you. We feel yeah, t- we're, we're touched. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, but this is who we are as people. That's just yeah. you know. So, Absolutely. yeah, you guys, happy holidays to you guys, everybody out there listening. Um, also, if you want, you can follow um, Udem Pandas ATL on Instagram. Um, it's not a lot of content there yet, but you'll be be in the loop at least for as we move forward. And I'll add it on the uh, description when I release it tonight. Um, 
Um, so it'll go out uh, tonight. Actually, for most of the audience, it'll show up in the AM since I'm Colorado time, and most of our audience is uh, almost a, up to a day ahead of us um, cool. around the globe. But um, I'll put it on there. That way everyone can start following it and clicking on it and see what it is. Um, if Skylar, if you'll just get that and text it to me as well. Um, yep. We'll get that information up there. I look forward to the transition. I think this is amazing, and uh, I look forward to having you back. And everyone listening in, we do this for free. You know, Larry and Emily came on here, talked about it, sharing their experience. Go buy their food. Go try it. Go see what they're doing with their concept. That's, you know, that's paying the dues. And for Skylar and I, um, it's about spreading and helping entrepreneurs out there. So keep sharing the podcast. Um, Keep moving it along. I see our downloads are starting to go up again as we've relaunched. Um, As Skylar's holding me more on a schedule, I should say. And, um, and so thank you guys. So, um, you know, continue to download it, continue to share, um, and continue to push it through all the different platforms. We are on all the different podcast platforms. So happy holidays. Thank you again, Emily and Larry and everyone enjoy your holidays and happy new year. Thank you guys. Happy holidays.